welcome to another episode of Bossy Frictions. I'm Julia Dumay, and of course, I'm joined as always by Lisa Schinninger. And today, we're going to be talking about uh, the new movie Interstellar by uh, director Chris Nolan, and about space in pop culture more generally, um, especially sci-fi. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's about it for this episode. What we're planning on, um, Lisa. Any thoughts on uh, Interstellar? I have probably too many thoughts about Interstellar. Yeah. Um, I went and saw it yesterday uh, afternoon um, in a pretty crowded theater. Again, I, I keep being surprised by these noon crowds. Um, yeah. Because everybody wants to get the movie out of the way early in the yeah. day. When, Mine was 9.30 and it was not packed but it was still a lot more crowded than I expected. Mm-hmm. I, I think the secret is to go on like a Wednesday afternoon or something. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. Because um, I keep wanting to like take notes on my phone, but I don't want to get kicked out of the theater because yeah. somebody objects yeah. to my screen. Um, I don't want to be that jerk. Yeah. And I uh, actually, I had a notebook, but I couldn't yeah. see enough to write anything down. Yeah, so that was tricky. I had to kind of sit in the parking lot after and like voice record on my phone. Like, here's what oh, I nice. thought. Um, nice. So, yeah, what did you think of it? I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit I went in with pretty low expectations because I really have not been a big fan of Christopher Nolan. Uh-huh, same here, yeah. Um, I have not really enjoyed one of his movies all that much in a while um but i i so yeah maybe it was just that i went in with pretty low expectations and i enjoyed it um i did agree with what i've heard that it's a lot like contact uh-huh and uh, i'll probably talk about this more later because that book and to a lesser extent the movie gives me a lot of feeling yeah same here so yeah so i totally plugged contact um and i see where the comparisons are coming from so that that may have been part of why I enjoyed it, in fact. Um, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I I liked it a lot more than I thought I would too. Um, especially because what I'd been hearing were reviews that w- that it was really uneven. Um, yeah. And I did I I do share in that criticism of it. Um, I don't want to get too spoilery about what happens. Um, we can probably maybe save that for later and put a little. Uh, warning on it for people who want to skip past that but just in general terms um i thought that it was um there was some okay performances um especially from um mcconaughey i think he actually sometimes you know he kind of skates and especially uh, when he's in true detective mode he's very (laughs) disengaged you know um yeah so it was really nice to see him in a role where he actually got to have like real human interaction <laughs> not just like yeah philosophizing madly at people um <laughs> it's, it's been a while since i've seen that um but i was there was one thing that really frustrated me and that was the relationship with his children um, yeah like the movie i saw a tweet yesterday which i'll when i find it again i'll link to it in the show notes so we can give the credit to the right person but that it was um that nolan figured out that 3d means daddy's daughters and extra dimensions um because and that was, I was really frustrated by that because this the relationship between um father and son I think there was no there was nothing there um it was yeah. just these two people who were told are father and son and there isn't much of a relationship there whereas um the relationship between him and his daughter drives the whole movie um yeah and they have that 
they have a really emotionally wrought um, encounter uh, in the first third of the movie that we don't get between him and the son. And I kind of was like, that took me out of it a little bit there at the yeah. point because I was like, he can't even say anything. All he says to his son is, the truck's yours now. Like, Yeah, it felt a little odd. I, yeah. Like, I, it was one thing I actually kind of, I was like, actually, I am kind of going to give Nolan points for that because I could so easily have seen most people making that movie with the genders of the children reversed mm-hmm. and making it a father-son story. And just kind of making the daughter an afterthought. Um, so it's like, wow, that's all right. I yeah. will give credit where it's due. Well, but yeah, the but then we ha- neglect of the relationship yeah. with son. I was like, huh. And then we had the. I mean, it was the same relationship again between um, the doctor's brand. Um, yeah. You know, so I was kind of like, what? Why is this mirrored here? Um, what? What do we get from this one father-daughter relationship that we don't get from the other? Um, and then you know. Again, it's another thing where I just, like, why are there never any mothers in stories yeah. like this? Um, it's always yeah. the noble widower um, going it alone. I just, I I don't want to, I, I, this sounds like I didn't care for the relationship, um, and I really did. I thought it was really affecting. Yeah. Um, and I cried quite a bit yeah. at, at the end. Yeah. Um, but it was just frustrating that we got that duplicate relationship um that there wasn't much and it was like his sole focus you know um one of the criticisms i've seen is that the characters are pretty flat and static yeah um, and i definitely agree i think that that kind of points it up there that relationship yeah different absolutely i mean yeah similarly i was really like i felt like they did not do near, nearly enough building of the relationship between um, uh, the younger Dr. Bran and Hathaway's character and uh, Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, I mean, on the one hand, a lot of the movie is them interacting and developing a relationship. And then, uh, spoiler, at the end, you know, they're talking about, oh, she's out there somewhere. Go get her, buddy. You know, he's like oh all of a sudden they're gonna fall in love yeah like like, why go get her like what what happened that one moment early on where he mentions he asks the robot he's like oh uh is there a thing between dr brand and this other doctor that they're looking that we're looking for Mm -hmm. um is that a thing by the way and that's pretty much it i'm like what there was just sort of no development of yeah of any kind of hint of like attraction or interest or possibility of romance until the very end when it was like, oh, they're destined for each other. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah, and I, it's like there's a story there that could have been developed about, um, you know, the shared experience. Like these are the only mm. two in all of humanity, um, who know exactly what happened, what they went through, in order to do, um what they do by the end again i don't want to be too spoilery um but it's not i mean that's not that's not textual in in the movie at all and it's barely even subtextual it's just like okay get out go find her yeah but why um yeah and especially because they're they're pretty antagonistic i mean throughout and not even antagonistic in the classic um you know the the relationship model that we really like um 
where they bicker and bicker and bicker to hide attraction. It was just like, there wasn't even bickering. It was just, they didn't get along. They didn't agree. Yeah, it was just kind of low-level dislike yeah. for a while. And then all of a sudden, they liked each other and cared about each other. And then all of a sudden, they're destined to be together. Right. Like, okay, <laughs> you kind of, I feel like you need to give us more, you know, and that's, that's always an issue of mine with Christopher Nolan. I feel like a lot of his characters, he sort of realizes that there need to be beats in these relationships. Mm -hmm. So he'll put in big, oh, now they're in love, mm -hmm. and then does absolutely none of the work to get them there. Right. Just says, oh, by the way, now these two are in love. Now these two are friends. Yeah, I definitely like, agree. Okay, I guess. My other problem with Christopher Nolan, and this movie really did exemplify it, was that he's just so, his films are just so joyless. I just, yeah. I really, and this too, <laughs> I felt like, I was like, there's just no, you know, I'm like, this is space, it's obviously it's serious, and it's the right. state of humanity, fine. But it's still, it's space. You can't get any sense of wonder in there. I mean, the one character with a sense of humor is the robot who has been programmed <laughs> to have a sense of humor in order to facilitate his interactions with humans. Like, that yeah. is the perfect encapsulation of my problem, my biggest problem with Christopher Nolan's movies. Right yeah, there. like, I really felt... I felt that awe myself because the visuals are absolutely stunning. Um, and I've yeah. even I've even read that the um, the uh, physicist or astrophysicist maybe the technical advisor uh, scientist gave them his calculations about how black holes function, and the visual effects team took that and they used comp um, computer modeling over the course of like a year in order to oh, get wow. the visual of the black hole. And he said right. that, you know, seeing his 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 work being translated into a visual medium, he realized things about the black holes that he didn't realize that he had already worked out. Oh, wow. um, that seeing it visually um, was, you know, like exactly as it should have been. Oh, um, that's and, great. And especially there's a part where we see Saturn very close up um, in a flyby. Yes. And I, I personally was just awestruck. I thought it oh, was a beautiful... Yeah. Uh, rendering chills. yeah and then there's a lot of like the landscape stuff is really gorgeous um i think mm -hmm. nolan does a really great job and i'm not sure who the dp was but um like it's very it's a very nostalgic movie mm -hmm. visually um and i thought it was beautiful that way but it does it does seem cold i mean like i would have expected one of the things mcconaughey does really well is sort of that like that stoner sense of awe you know, yeah, and he does. He'll, yeah. He's able to turn it on, you know, the most mundane things, and here yeah. he is, you know, supposed to be reacting to these absolutely colossal interstellar, forgive yeah. the pun, uh, phenomena, and he's just like, okay, what if I slingshot around this thing over here, and what if we do this? Yeah, and, like very Star Trek techno babbly, and I was like, but wait a second, <laughs> like, are You're you not? Yeah, yeah, are you looking out the window at all? But he was the character was so focused on um, the mission and his family that there was no room for any of the rest of it. Yeah, um, and I felt kind of like so it was up to the audience to do that, and there wasn't really space for that either. Like, yeah, yeah, because the movie is yeah. really fast; it moves from beat to beat pretty quickly and efficiently. 
Um, yeah. And there's not a lot of time to dwell. There is one thing I do want to call the movie out for with my highest of praise. Um, every shot where the camera is in space outside of the vehicle is silent. Yes, Except for the I noticed score. that too. And I, oh. I, 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 like, <laughs> I like welled up the first time yes. I realized that that was happening. Because nobody ever does that, and it drives me crazy. Yes, that was great. There's no, there's no sound in that. space. Exactly. Yeah. Sound can't travel through space, guys. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, was, but then I had nitpicks as well. The science. Um, mm-hmm. I'll link in the show notes to the bad astronomers review. Phil Plate. He. Oh, all right. He was really, really unhappy with it. And you mentioned oh, Contact earlier, which is an example of a great movie. I think entertaining and also science-wise. Um, yeah. Uh, that he reviewed and gave it really high marks. So we'll link to that too. Oh, but wow. um, the science, I don't know much about like the physics of a black hole or interstellar propulsion or wormholes <laughs> or tesseracts. But every time that they said something sciencey, I was like, "That's not even a thing." Like that's I would get, not a thing. I was getting I'm pretty really sure angry that's in the theater. Um, and my big thing was. What propulsion system were they yeah. using in that ship? Yeah. Because it took all of that. Um, it took like it took like an actual rocket yeah. off to get off of Earth, but then they just take it off like a plane from other planets. Right, I'm other like, planets that have like Earth gravity, like around the same. Yeah. and I was just like, "What is happening?" <laughs> Wait, what? And what did I miss? Is where was fun? the where was the fuel that powered those engines that they could yeah. escape like the event horizon of a black hole? Yeah. Like where were they carrying that if they had to jettison all of that weight? Like <laughs> what did they Yeah. Oh man, like, it was what? just What? What? Mm-hmm. Also I'm pretty sure that's not how clouds work <laughs> on Matt Damon's planet. I'm like, I don't think that's how clouds. Well, the work. frozen. Like, oh, it's frozen clouds. Yeah, the frozen like, clouds. If it were uh, ammonia, what? an ammonia atmosphere, that makes sense. Um, because the clouds would just have to be something that freezes in ammonia, but is lighter than yeah. ammonia. But like, I, it was another thing where I was like, this, like, give me an explanation that isn't just like junk. Yeah. You know, or like, like where was the surface of the planet? What were they on if that wasn't the surface? Yeah. Mm-mm. Also, that reminds me, I did not recognize Matt Damon at all. You did? Like, we may have to do an entire episode of, like, what have you done with your face? Oh. Where we review actors' plastic surgery choices. Oh. Because Matt Damon, I was, they pulled him out and I was like, huh, that guy, I was, like, I didn't even see it. I was like, he sort of looks a little like Matt Damon. No, oh, that might just that be, is. that might just be a case of white boy face blindness, because it I recognized be. him right away. I didn't notice anything different. Matthew McConaughey, though, be. I think looks more like a death's head with every passenger. Yeah, year. I, he looked bad. I'm like, did you just finish? Had he just finished, like, the movie where he's dying at the That's what or I, something? yeah. Is that, is that what's going on here? Because he looked. His, it was very distracting. I, d- I don't think he looks... Um, I don't want to say anything about any work that he might have had done or anything, but his skin was so tight, and I was just... He looked, yeah. Like, it was hard was really to concentrate haggard. on his face, because it was very, like... It was just off-putting for me. And I... Yeah. And there was yeah. a scene where he's interacting with the, the young girl who plays his daughter, who has this very natural, pale complexion, and his face next to her was just orange and i was like yeah 
Oh, you could somebody but, somebody oh. doing color correction really missed the boat, I think, yeah, in post. Was, yeah. Because it I was, was also, really distracting. That reminds yeah, that reminds me I was also put off because my very I wasn't sure entirely who was who and when I first saw that shot of her, you know, as a child leaning in through the doorway as he was like half asleep, I thought she was going to grow up to be Anne Hathaway. Like that mm-hmm. little girl looked so much like a young like Anne Hathaway. I was like, Oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so she's gonna be his daughter and then they I was like, Oh, maybe it's gonna be a time travel thing. Uh-huh. And she's actually it's this whole like why did you leave me thing and she's actually Anne Hathaway and grows up to be her and tiny whiny. And that's that's not how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that was not where they were going when they showed Jessica Chastain as his grown up daughter. And I was like, oh, good. Especially good since they seem to be setting up a romance. Right. Or him and Anne Hathaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that probably would go in a different direction. I don't know that yeah. Nolan particularly is interested in the incest angle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in other really. hands, I think that would have been interesting. Um, <laughs> Uh, so talking about the cast, um, I was, Matt Damon is kind of like the surprise. Um, I don't yeah. even think anybody, I don't think he was in the credits. Um, he just yeah. shut up. So probably we should put a spoiler on that. But, um, yeah. there was, um, there were a couple of faces that I recognized from other things and it was just kind of nice to get those little glimpses. Um, the, yeah. the woman who plays the, the girl's teacher, um, at oh, the very yeah. beginning, was really familiar, but I don't know her name. The Straw Teachers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but she was, was just like really oh good in that tiny little plot. Um, and actually, at that point, um, what happens is uh, Matthew McConaughey goes to the school for a parent-teacher conference. His daughter has gotten into trouble because she's brought this old textbook of his to school that talks about um, the Apollo missions, about men landing on the moon. Um, and got into a fist fight with a bunch of kids because the new accepted government version in this new, in this future that we're in, um, the Apollo missions never happened. It was all a hoax to um, basically get the Russians to spend all this money and bankrupt themselves um, in trying to get to the moon ahead of us, even though we were never actually going to the moon. And at that point, I actually, like, I gasped out loud. <laughs> and I thought to myself... I didn't know this was a horror movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> See, my, as soon as, and that was, you know, preceded also by the other teacher, the son's teacher saying, oh, well, you know, no, he can't go to college. Mm-hmm. He can't, in our dystopia, we need more farmers to grow more food. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, see, my reaction was just this like big, like eye roll and Ugh, because I was like, God, and of course, you know, the heroic white man is being told by a black man on the one hand and a white woman on the other hand that he just, he has no place in this modern world by mm-hmm. these straw teach straw man teachers. And I was like, oh, of course, of course, this, you know, man is renegade and there's no place for him in this modern world and he needs the black woman and the black guy and the white woman to tell him that and you won't break his spirit though i'm like oh my god of yeah course, of course oh i was just like oh because i just i wanted to be horrified mm-hmm. by that moment but i was just so it was just so heavy-handed i was like well that part seriously i 
I liked that the dystopia comes from a collapse of the food supply. Um, I thought yeah. that was, um, it got a little heavy handed, I think, but, um, that was really well done, I thought that because yes, that was another thing was and I don't I didn't see any mentions of this before I went. I tried to kind of avoid reviews because I didn't want to be spoiled. But um, they I was so taken aback because the first thing we see is Ellen Burstyn, an old lady in very old lady makeup um, talking about her father, which I thought was a great way to introduce the movie. The first line mm -hmm. we hear is my father was a farmer just like everyone was back then. But, you know, he was something different before. And I thought that was a great first line. It was really kind of Arthur C. Clarke-y. Um, yeah. Like, it was a great introduction to this is the new reality. Um, yeah. But then they go into, and they start showing these other talking heads of people that I recognize from the Ken Burns documentary, The Dust Bowl. Oh, wow. Like, those are actual Dust Bowl survivors, and I found out oh, after the movie that um, this is the first time that Ken Burns and, and, and his partner Dayton have licensed any of their material to be used in a commercial production. Um, so when you, whenever you see those talking heads throughout the movie talking about the dust bowl and the dust sickness and turning the plates over and all of that, those are actual dust bowl survivors. Interesting. Um, so I thought that gave it like a real sense of, um, of gravity. Um, of grounding that like in a real world context yeah. um, and maybe sort of giving like a modern audience who probably didn't sit through all of Ken Burns, the dust bowl, like I did <laughs> um, give them an, an, a sense of, you know, what that actually looked like paired with the images that Nolan was giving us on screen and the real hopelessness of the situation. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool. Um, but uh, there was something else, the time the timing of the movie really, and for a movie about time, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was like appropriate or if it was just really frustrating, but I couldn't get a sense of the timeline of the movie. Um, yeah. You know, when did this cataclysmic collapse of the food supply happen? When did um, when was the crash when the we opened the movie with? Um, he's having a nightmare about this crash that ended his career as a, a space pilot. Um, you know how long has it taken to get to this point? Because he doesn't yeah. seem like he's that old. And then later in the movie, the daughter tells us that she's about, she's about 35, um, somewhere in there. And she tells us that she's the same age that he was, that McConaughey was when he left. But McConaughey never like visually ages. Yeah. Like he always looks 50, like he does in real life. And I, so I was like, how is, how are they the same age? I don't... Yeah. Like, and if he yeah. was only 35 when he left and he already had this teenage son and this daughter and they were, have this well-established farm and the Dust Bowl looks like it's been happening for a long time, you know, where exactly was that happening? Like, when was the yeah. collapse? So it was... It, but then, you know, as you get into the movie and it turns out that it's about time being bendy for lack of a better word, um, wib wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Um, that kind of makes sense to have that indistinct timeline. But I also just like from a narrative sense was really frustrated trying to figure out, you know, how long yeah. things have been happening. Yeah. I, so I would, yeah, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I think a lot more than I expected to. Which, yeah. Again, it's really damning. At least being <laughs> possibly. 
but certainly more than I, yeah, like I said, more than I've enjoyed a Nolan film in quite some time. Um, I never did see The Dark Knight Rises because at that point I was just so exhausted with like everything right. Batman and Nolan related. And also I can't stand Tom Hardy's face for some reason. I just, I can't stand Tom Hardy. So I was just like, ugh. Speaking of Batman and Christian Bale, uh, did you get the Exodus trailer? Yes, yes, I got oh the Exodus trailer, God. and I was what? legitimately surprised. I said this on Twitter. I thought that movie had already come out and tanked. Like I was like, yeah. why are they advertising? Why? Yeah, the all-white Egypt and no Jewish yeah, actors. Well, no, Moses mm. is white, but Pharaoh looks like he might actually be mildly ethnic. So I'm like, really? We couldn't even get Jewish, a Jewish guy yeah. to play Moses. Really? Oh uh, well, the Christian guy, Bale. the guy that plays Pharaoh is Australian. He's oh, okay. he's Euro- right. of European descent. There's yeah, there are okay. no, as far as I have seen, there are no people of color in any roles. They're only wow. um right. as security guards and thieves. Just like really, I first of all, I don't see why this was necessary to begin with. I could just go watch again and it will probably be much more enjoyable mm-hmm. second of all really you couldn't at least cast some Jews as in this or something the prince of egypt has has two things up on exodus in that the characters are drawn to look like semitic people yeah um so like visually you get the right person for the role and then a lot of the voice actors are actually jewish so yeah like you get this double whammy of authenticity versus exodus which is a bunch of white dudes running around you got some gold bloom too oh. so it's got that going for it. yes gold bloom yes yeah, that's always that's um, like a double yeah. bonus right there just gold bloom on yeah. his own yeah <laughs> sorry little segue there i had to yeah, yeah i did I, get that i there wasn't a single uh I don't think there was a single preview that I saw that I was like, I want to go see that. Um, yeah. There was there were a lot. I I was like, I don't want to see that. Um, the yeah. The uh, yeah. There was. I do kind of want to see the robot movie. Um, we got a trailer for what's it called? Chappie, I think. Which oh, I didn't looks, see that one. All right. Yeah, it's from the guy who did District Nine, uh-huh. and it looks actually quite a bit like Wally, but for grown-ups um, and live action. But it looks genuinely really lovely i'm like oh i'm probably gonna try it oh i do want to see that yeah his style of sci-fi speaking of like sci-fi in general Mm -hmm. like yeah okay i will probably go see that yeah um or i will at least watch it on well district nine is an example of a kind of messagey sci-fi movie that didn't feel like i was being pummeled with it yeah Um, interstellar i really felt like i (laughs) even though i agreed with the you know the conclusions that Nolan draws in order to tell the story, yeah. um, I still felt like oh this is so heavy-handed. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, whereas District Nine, yeah. I I it it is heavy-handed, but I think it felt fresher. Um, it's also enjoyable. Yeah. At various points, it's like fun. There's you know yeah, or there's maybe not fun, but it's there's I feel like there's actual some actually some enjoyment to be had mm-hmm. whereas you don't you don't do anything as pedestrian as enjoy a person right movie. yeah that was like there's a late in the movie um it takes a turn for like the metaphysical in oh, yeah. in a really arthur c Clarke 
uh, Kubrick's 2001 kind of a way. Yeah. Um, which I, it just didn't, like, I liked it. I actually, I genuinely liked the movie I, as much as my criticism probably tells you that I didn't. I did genuinely yeah. enjoy myself. It did not feel like almost three hours long. Yeah, um, it did. Yeah. It, really the dialogue is a little clunky, up. but it, it was satisfying. Um, it, visually, it was really interesting. The science was infuriating at points, but you know, if you're going to see science fiction, you expect some fiction in your science. Um, yeah. So that I, I, I don't want to say that it wasn't a movie that I would recommend you go to see, but um, I think there are other movies that do it better, and it felt like, especially mm-hmm. that the turn into the metaphysical didn't really feel yeah. like it fit with what had come before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it really no. It's it's interesting you mentioned that because my big takeaways were I'm like really I enjoy this. Um, it was good, but I feel like it was done better by Contact uh-huh. in 2001. Yeah. But those were the big ones I came away thinking of. Yeah, 2001. I could not get away from um the robots yeah. are very much like um like the uh, the form in 2001. Yeah which I think it's pretty obvious that's what they're they're based on. Um, so that was hard to get away from. And then especially anytime you see any kind of like a a revolving space vehicle, you automatically yeah. think of 2001 because that's what made yeah. it the most famous. There was, there was something that I do want to point out um, at the end of the movie. Um, you get to see what it was that the older Dr. Brand had been working on. Uh, what do you, you see it earlier in the construction phase and you get to see it at the end um, completed and it I I actually am going to wreck a story recommend a story <laughs> later that um, uses something similar it's called an O'Neill cylinder yeah Um, and it's actually uh, the spaceship design that I researched and discarded I went with a different version um, for that novel I wrote over the summer and okay. I but I spent about a month and a half completely obsessed with like the possibilities of an O'Neill cylinder. And like, so when they, when it appears on screen in the movie, I was probably the only person in the theater who was like cheering a little bit. (laughs) I was just so excited to see it like represented on screen. It was fantastic. Yeah. That was really great. So if you're a big fan of O'Neill cylinders, definitely go see this movie. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, so I would say a solid, for me, probably, like, because a lot of my problems with it, I I will admit, are, like, just my problems with many Nolan movies in general. So um, I would say probably, a, for me, probably a solid, you know, 6.5 or 7 out of 10 mm-hmm. for me, I think. That, that, would be, yeah, that would probably be not score. I would, I would say that, too. I think that, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, characters, like any Nolan movie, characters are a little thin, dialogue's a little hokey. Um, mm-hmm. I think they have really fantastic concepts. It just, yeah. they need a script doctor. Yeah. To sort of. Great visuals. Yeah. But, yeah, not a whole lot of, like, soul. Yeah. Like. But it definitely, it definitely was worth it if you've got three hours and six yeah. bucks to spend, catch it at a matinee. Yeah. yeah. See, and, yeah, that, like I said, I was probably going to go see this anyway just because I want to support more sci-fi with spaceship. Uh, more of the like space exploration type sci-fi mm-hmm. and because I'm just so over 
dystopias, and this did have some dystopia, but it was much more space than straight up dystopia. Everybody's killing each other. This is totally not a Hunger Games ripoff. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I yeah, I really I'm like yeah that, and I think the last couple movies I've gone to see in theaters have been uh partly seen on that principle of I want to support this so that Hollywood will make more because there was this and there was Guardians of the Galaxy over the summer. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yes, yes, more of this Hollywood, please. Yeah, I um I really love space sci fi. I like I like hard sci fi. Like I keep mentioning Arthur C. Clarke, um Yeah. And I, I really enjoy that where the science of exploration is really at the forefront, um, which is hard to do, especially in yeah. Hollywood. Um, and, and like I said, you know, you got to expect some fiction with your science um, yeah. and in your science. Um, but I really wish that like you, I wish that the trend went more towards space and less about um, man's inhumanity to man. Yeah. Um, Just like, I, I get it. Hollywood. Yeah. I get it. Can we at least man's inhumanity to man in space maybe <laughs> yeah that might be mildly more interesting than burned out dystopias burned out dystopias in space i mean yeah. like, it doesn't always have to be earth it doesn't always have to yeah. be you know a land-based civilization like yeah. that's my like growing up there was a new star trek movie every couple of years you know so yeah. there was always like this this um space component that i knew was coming um, and it seemed like there were, there was a lot more, um, like, space-based sci-fi. Yeah. Um, and I think we might be coming into a new era of that. Uh, yeah. With the success of Gravity yeah. and now, hopefully, with Interstellar, I think we might see and more of it. More, yeah, more Star Wars on the way. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, um, the new, the Star Trek reboot, I had actually... Oh. I Aww. that was one of my disappointments. I didn't see the second one. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, but the first one. I saw it on a plane. Like it was okay. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. It was not great. It was like, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't pay for this. Well, the first one, it was like it just sort of bulldozed everything that I really enjoyed about Star Trek to begin with, you know. Yeah. Um, because it is in all of its incarnations, it is a show about people in space, about exploration. Yeah about um new discoveries about you know not just your civilization and other civilizations out there but like people in general and and society um and then the new one was just like let's blow some stuff up yeah <laughs> let's... You know, it's just and too even i think this is at work because it was just like just completely counter in a lot of ways i felt like to the star trek which is very much an optimistic show mm -hmm. you know it and and Deep Space Nine gets a lot of flack for, and it's very unpopular and controversial among a lot of Star Trek fans because a lot of people feel it really goes in a different direction. But even that, I think, at its heart, is a really optimistic show about, you know, the importance of being decent and, uh, and it's about ethics and morality. There's right. a lot of how do you be a good person under really difficult circumstances. Um, and the new ones just, it could be any generic action movie, I feel like. I'm like, this would be fine if you weren't calling it Star Trek. Right. I, it wouldn't really be my thing, but it would be totally, a totally cromulent movie to me. Yeah. It just isn't Star Trek. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think the trend is really toward the dystopia right now because I think um, we've had a decade of war. Um, there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of worries about, um, you know, health concerns. There's worries about, you know, peak oil, uh, mm-hmm. food shortages. So I a lot of that uncertainty and dread gets translated into film, but I wish that it went in the other direction. Yeah. You know, I like... Mean- that's the time when you need optimism more than anything. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the 60s were completely free of social upheaval and unrest and uh-huh. difficulty. And, you know, that's the original Star Trek came out of that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, when you're just sort of feeding the everything is terrible um, trend, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm over it. I'm sick of it. Yeah. I agree. Hollywood, listen to what we're saying. Give us some more, optimistic sci-fi in space. Yeah. More people being good, also. People being decent, not being total assholes. Yeah. Be that actually ties into, there's a line in the movie about um, the the younger Dr. Brand talks about um, she's excited about a new start for humanity, you know, out among the stars, because there's no evil in nature. Yeah. Nature is not inherently evil, um, that it's people who are yeah. evil, um, and it's civilization that is evil. Um, and that was so interesting, and I wish that had been a bigger part of the movie, rather than yeah. just sort of clunked right in the middle and then dropped. Yeah. There were all these really interesting themes kind of hinted at, but instead people would just kind of say them, and then they'd be left left there. Just like, well, okay, thanks for that observation, but where am I supposed to be with that? Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. A little wisdom for me there. It was, it was frustrating. I enjoyed it, but it was very frustrating yeah. in many ways. Well, I, also, I really want people I, to see it also because I want to hear what their take is on it. Um, yes, I had I'd a, be very curious. I have had a couple of friends who've seen it already and they said, you know, I really like getting their takes on things. One of them said yeah. she actually wishes it was longer. Because they kind of, huh. um, they zip through everything so quickly <laughs> that yeah. it could have been, you know, several movies. Yeah. Um, if you chunked it up. Yeah, viewers, if you see it, please do join us. Don't don't feel the need to rush right out and see it just so you can tell us what you think. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you happen to see it, you should come on by and tell us what you think. Yeah, comments will be open on the post whenever, or you can email us yep. at info at realbossybritches.com or hit us up on Twitter. We'll... Yes, share your comments, share your thoughts. Yeah, I would really like to know people's thoughts on McConaughey in Contact versus McConaughey in Interstellar. Yeah, gosh, <laughs> I would like to, oh, I remembered what I was going to say now, which is, I would like, I have a theory, given the, given how long it takes Christopher Nolan to, like, make movies, I sort of am wondering if this was, especially since it's such a big thing, a um, big theme in the movie and a big repeated issue, a big repeated point. I sort of wonder if this was originally going to be called Gravity and then Quaron kind of <gasps> there. And oh, that's a good point. Got it first. I, I wonder. I'm like, because I feel like Gravity would be a really suitable name for this movie, given what an issue yeah. and how much they talked about it. I'm like, was this supposed to be called Gravity? Did Quaron <laughs> get to do it? I bet. I bet he did. That makes <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's my theory. 
anybody, Christopher Nolan, if you'd like to weigh in, please feel free. Yeah, Christopher Nolan, let us know. <laughs> we know oh, you're listening. Obviously. <laughs> of course he is. Um, so, Space, um, do you have any recommendations as a little... Oh, so many. I don't even know where to Okay. Uh, yeah, again, contact, we've mentioned it a few times, but I always, I just have a really, really soft spot in my heart for that book. I read it, you know, I, I saw the movie when I was, you know, in middle school, and I absolutely loved it, and I've read the book so many times, mm-hmm. and every time I cry really hard, it just hit so many things, issues for me, so many themes that I absolutely adore. Um, so Carl Sagan's Contact, the novel, and the movie as well. Um, it certainly, I also recommend um, Star Trek, of course. Not the movie, not the reboot, but uh, yeah, more Star Trek. And um, we've mentioned, I think I have about this, but there's a really delightful podcast I enjoy if you like nonfiction um, called the Space Buffet Podcast, and it is just really fun. It's just a lot of fun to listen to. I think I mentioned to you, you know, a couple weeks back, a few months back, I was listening to an old episode, and they were uh, observing the anniversary of Apollo 13. Oh, yeah. And they were playing with the radio chatter the radio communication between Earth and Apollo 13. Um, and it, it was like that moment in a horror movie where you're like, no, don't, yeah. no, don't do that. And they're like, okay, uh, 13, can you just stir the tanks once more for us? No. Like, no, 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 don't stir the tanks. Don't do it. And they did it anyway. And I was like, oh, no. Yes. And the next thing they said was, uh, yeah, Yeah, I I started listening on your recommendation, and I really am enjoying it. Um, And if you go into iTunes, listeners, there are two listings for Space Boffins. Uh, One is the current iteration of the podcast, and one is more uh, the older episodes that you you still have access to through iTunes. So I recommend grabbing both of those. Great rec, definitely. Yeah, that's it off the top of my head. Um, I had... I had one um, that I definitely want to recommend. Um, I mentioned it earlier, the uh, O'Neill Cylinder uh, that shows up in the movie um, reminded me of an Arthur C. Clarke book called Rendezvous with Rama, um, which is a hard sci-fi novel. If you've never read it, oh my god, get on it. It is so good. Um, Like a lot of Clarke, the characters are kind of just stock. Um, (laughs) Like they're not, there's not a lot of development there or interpersonal relationships. Um, But the what happens is uh, it's Earth in an unspecified time period. They get... It might actually be specified, but it's obviously um, not <laughs> the case anymore because he was extrapolating from the time when he was writing it in the 70s um, and not so much now. Um, but what happens is um, there's a, a system that... S- it scans the skies for things that are coming towards us um, uh, called the space guard system. And it picks up an object that's headed this way, which turns out to be this massive um, asteroid, they think. And as it gets closer, 
they realize it's not an asteroid. It actually has a trajectory that doesn't match an asteroid, and it's some sort of an alien craft, and it's this gargantuan um, O'Neill cylinder that wow. a crew is dispatched to explore it, um, and they get inside and 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 see that it's like um, a colony ship, basically. Um, wow. And it's amazing like if you have any interest in um in colony ships or the interstellar space travel like um this is this is a place to get it it's fantastic and there's a couple of places online um some artists who have done uh their yeah their impressions or depictions of what the spacecraft looks like that are really 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 cool they make great prints to put up in your office (laughs) Or, right. <laughs> um, they're very cool. Um, so I would recommend that. It's actually a series, the Rama series. Um, I only would recommend the first, um, the Rendezvous with Rama, which is the first one. Um, the later novels are, they get better characterization-wise, um, but they're written by a different guy. So I would stick with the the Clark for the pure hard sci-fi, and then you can get into more story and narrative in the later books. Oh, that reminds me. Sorry, interrupting your uh, record there. But uh, yes, I, I realized I completely forgot until you mentioned the Neil Cylinder. Uh, Mass Effect. So obviously, oh, okay. I, I need to put in a plug. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mentioned that because you reminded me. The uh, One of the big centers of galactic civilization, galactic governance is this massive, yeah, O'Neill Cylinder. Um, which is basically one entire city. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you reminded me of that. I'm like, oh yeah, gosh, I forgot Mass, Mass Effect. Effect. Everybody play Mass Effect. It's fantastic. Will do. It's I I I gotta get through the um Boston that I've been playing in. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, one of these days. Nice. So that's it for me. I think on the Rex. Okay. I didn't really have anything else. All right, cool. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at Real Bossy Bridge. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Bridges Podcast on Twitter. We're at uh, realbossybridges.com. That's our website. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lead, And Lisa is O.C. Fairer. Uh, you can also find Lisa on the web at lshaner.com. Or lisashaner.com. I'm sorry. I always one day that's okay (laughs) one day i'll get it right um we're on facebook uh we're on itunes if you want to join us talk to us like us on facebook send us carrier pigeons you can get in touch um we'll we'll tell you where to direct those yeah we'd love to hear from you love to absolutely further bye bye